and Dogs, Pewter Report. Readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. It is a Thursday edition of the show, and as the show is going live, the Bucks are currently on a plane heading over to Germany, where they will take on the Seattle Seahawks in a uh, more than exciting matchup than I think any of us really expected when we first saw this game on the schedule. So we're going to get into some of the matchups that will be taking place in that game at 9.30 a.m., 6.30 for uh, the Seahawks fans over on the West Coast uh, when it goes on during Sunday. And we're going to talk about if the Bucks can win two in a row. They've only done that once this season, and that was to begin the year. Mm. So uh, we'll get into all of that. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is my fellow co-host, from pewterreport.com, J.C. Allen. J.C., how are you on this rainy, dreary, grayish type of Thursday? Uh, guten Tag. Hello. Hello. Uh, guten Tag. <laughs> guten Morgen. Uh, Actually, it's I'm afternoon doing now. So I don't know. I'm doing, yeah. I'm doing, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Uh, fine. I'm, you know, it's it's a rainy hurricane. Wunderbar. Wunderbar. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm doing wunderbar, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's a rainy hurricane day. Some people got the day off. Some kids got the day off. In my case, uh, my kids had the day off. So just trying to get through weather the storm and ah. <laughs> weather the storm that's coming this Sunday, because it, this is not going to be uh, one of those games where it's a it's a surefire win. What looked like it at the beginning of the schedule, a game against Seattle Seahawks, has quickly turned into a must win against a surprisingly good team. I think it's fair to say, JC, with the exception of their home game later in the season, I believe in January against the Panthers, and maybe, and we'll see how this game goes, but maybe... Uh, when they come back from the bye and they play against the the Cleveland Browns, who will still have Jacoby Brissett as their starting quarterback. Outside of those two games, maybe Atlanta, you can make the case. I don't really see the Bucs being like a favorite or they shouldn't be a favorite in really any of the games that they play in for the rest of the season. Like mm. the Bengals obviously have really turned it around uh, so far and they play them later in the season. The Cardinals are a mess right now, so maybe that could be another one. But again, Bucks are going out west for that game when they play on Christmas. San Francisco, definitely not, given that they have Christian McCaffrey now and their defense is great. And they're really just a quarterback away from being an absolute juggernaut. But somehow, some way, this matchup against the Seattle Seahawks, the Bucks are a three-point favorite, which I find very surprising. I get it if the Bucks were the official home team in this game was being played at Rain James Stadium in Tampa, Florida. Right. Sure, I can get behind that. But, you know, the, the Seahawks are, I don't want to say a complete team because every team has their issues here and there. But they play more together as a team than the Bucs ever had uh, this season. So for the Bucs to be a three-point favorite, I think uh, those in the chat and those watching the show right now kind of might be able to tell where I'm, <laughs> where my bets may uh, be going towards for uh, the Sunday's game. Right, yeah, and I'll, I'll even push back a little bit further on that. I think, you know, this Seattle team, I think they're getting the three points maybe because of the extra six hours they had to travel. I mean, maybe yeah. that's it. But I think if you look at the Browns team, right now this Bucks team has constructed, 
the Browns match up really well with what they're going to try to do, and that's run the ball. And the Bucks can't stop the run. And with Chubb and Hunt there, that two-headed monster, and they have really good defense as well. If the offense can't get moving, that Browns team, even with Jacoby Brissett, is it? Plus, it's in Cleveland uh, Thanksgiving weekend. Like I, I, even that, the Bucks will be coming off a bye, so they will have an extra week to get healthy. Um, and for guys like Brady, an extra week to prepare. Um, but I still think that's one of those games the Bucks will probably be favored in. But I don't know if that's clear cut. And the Panthers have already blown out the Bucks. Yeah. And the Falcons, <laughs> the Falcons always play the Bucks tougher at home for whatever reason. And they were a roughing the passer penalty called from potentially tying that game up. And then the Saints have just decimated the Bucks at, at home and Ray J. At Ragey the last right. couple of years. So, like, you can't even say, even with all their woes, that that should be an overwhelming favorite. This Bucks team needs to win this game. It's going to be very difficult, I think, because of the reasons why you said, and we'll dive in deeper to those reasons, but because the Seahawks are playing as a legit team right now. This is a team um, going out there, not just uh, an offense and a defense and special teams. They are so cohesive. Um, and if they don't win this game, they really can't afford to drop more than two and that's yeah. being nice um down the stretch they need to finish around 10 and 7 i think to really finish finish strong and and capture the division potentially um i mean maybe 9 and 8 gets it done cuz you got the tiebreaker over a team like the falcons but in order to kind of just win that and and not have to worry about it you can't lose more than two games down the stretch then it starts winning your second in a row in germany against the seahawks yeah, it does seem like that they will need – it doesn't need to be a huge difference in a winning record, but they at least need to have a 500 or maybe a one-game above 500 record in order to win the division. And I I don't want to speak for everyone, but I do get the sense from some you know media and, and Bucks fans that, oh, all right, they beat the Rams, like all their problems are solved now. And that's absolutely not the case at all. I mean – they were 11 <laughs> seconds away from losing a fourth no. straight game in a row where they failed to score 20 points. And, um, you know, they didn't score their only touchdown of the game until there was nine seconds to go. So there's still a lot of issues there. Right. I'm still not convinced that the the Bucks, while their defense played really well against the Rams, and you got to give your credit to them there, I totally do not think by any stretch of the imagination – the Bucks' run defense is fully intact, set to go for the rest of the season. When you look at that Rams offense, that is only the Bucks' run running game is worse. So the, right. you know the Rams' offense running the ball is second worst in the league, and their offensive line depleted by injury. So uh, that that's going to be a huge, huge thing to look at for this game with Kenneth Walker. I want to talk about that in a second, but first going to remind everyone that the pewter report podcast of course is brought to you by celsius energy drinks the best energy drink on the market a healthy version of an energy drink because they have seven essential vitamins gives you that fuel that energy to get you through your day even on one like today i'll admit this weather had me down a little bit but that's all right i cracked open a uh, watermelon berry celsius energy drink and i already feel the vibes going up much higher as this show goes on so seven essential vitamins like i said variety of different flavors you see the arctic peach and uh, tropical vibe on the screen there they have even more than that you can see the sparkling orange sparkling watermelon uh, peach mango so a ton of awesome flavors there 
if you haven't had Celsius before, you want to try it out, you, you want to dip your toe in the water, as they say, go to the store locator on the Celsius website and find out where you can get a Celsius near you, your local convenience store, Bodega. I know they got it in Walmarts and Targets all over that place. So check it out. See what flavor you like. And then when you find out, hey, I like this one. I like that one. I want them all. Kind of like Pokemon. Got to catch them all. <laughs> Go to Amazon. Do the subscribe and save where you can get Celsius energy drinks in bulk and have them sent straight to your house or apartment. I would recommend getting the variety pack because you get a little bit of everything. And variety is the spice of life. So have it sent to your house or apartment. You could set it up every one, two, three weeks. Whatever it is, totally fine your call just make sure you're drinking celsius energy drinks that's hashtag celsius live fit hashtag celsius energy celsius energy drinks the official sponsor of the pewter report podcast and jc as we were just talking about the bucks run defense against the seahawks offense and in specifically here the uh, the seahawks running game kenneth walker is a very exciting player to watch he rips off big runs there's nothing about the Seahawks offensive line. It's like, oh man, like they're menacing. They're really going to take it to Vita Vey and Akeem Hicks and, and Nacho and, and guys like that. But right. I, one of the themes, man, is that they've been playing as a group, as a unit. And Kenneth Walker really, you know, no pun intended, took the ball and ran with it. They obviously had the injury to their other starting running back. And now Kenneth Walker's kind of been the top guy. And hey, the whole team is averaging over 4.5 yards per rushing attempt. So this isn't just one guy dominating, but Kenneth Walker is the one that kind of leads the way. Kenneth Walker is a sore subject for me right now, Matthew. Um, oh no. Why is that? Fantasy football? Yeah, I I you know, I thought I was I was pulling a fast one on somebody and I traded uh Kenneth Walker uh before he started. Um right. the week before he started and uh Curtis Samuel for Clyde Edwards Hilaire. So far that has uh, not been I got Clyde Edwards on my team, so I I feel your pain there. At the time, he was a number two ranked fantasy running back, you know. And I because like, the oh. Chiefs don't run the ball anymore, and they don't throw it to him in the passing game anymore, right, right. like they so did. So he's been a sore subject, but he's yeah. been absolutely phenomenal watching this kid. Uh, his, his season had like a, a slow start because he had an, he was sidelined with an injury, but since then, over the last couple of games, I mean, this guy's just exploded onto the scene with Rashad Perry. Uh, Rashad Penny rather now out for the year he's got 570 yards he's averaging 5.1 per carry he like you said he can break it the distance 74 yard long at seven yard seven touchdowns and it seems like he's just been a closer he's he's scoring touchdowns in every, almost every fourth quarter of the game that he's been in he's just been really really good they've had a really good draft this year the the young tackles over there that they drafted Charles Cross in the first round and Abraham Lucas in the third round They've been doing really good job opening uh, running lanes on the outside. Um, so Kenneth Walker is a problem. He's definitely going to be a problem. The Bucks run defense really didn't get much worse last yeah. last <laughs> week, but that's really because of the opponent. They're still um, 23rd in the league, allowing 125 yards per game. And I know the defense for the Bucks looked really good last week, but as you alluded to, there really wasn't much to base that off of because this this Rams team, this Rams offense outside of Cooper Cup, who still got his. I mean, Cooper still posted an insane stat line of nine catches, 127 yeah. <laughs> yards, and a touchdown, especially that 69-yard busted coverage play. Other than that, they, I mean, 
Robert Woods hasn't been Robert Woods. Van Jefferson's two games back from an injury. Tyler Higby's been up and down for them. Their running game has not been there with Henderson and Brown and Akers and Rivers and you name it. They've, they've tried to get it going. This is a team that's completely different with the Seattle Seahawks. They have a, a litany of guys making plays. It starts yeah. in the running game with Kenneth Walker. Geno Smith's new it, can, can move the chains. DJ Dallas, uh, when he gets in there, he can do some stuff. And they still have two very good outside threats and Tyler Lockett, who leads the team in receptions and yards and is tied for touchdowns. They've still got DK Metcalf. They've got Noah Fan and Will Disley. Disley seems like he just finds the end zone all the time. He's, he's a, just a good red zone threat. Noah Fant. Uh, Marquise Goodwin, who's who's banged up right now, but he's got speed that you know it's difficult to match up with. This offense that they have, and, and it really starts with the with a ground and pound game now with Kenneth Walker, can beat you in a variety of ways. And I, I don't want to I don't want to liken this team too much to that 2001 Patriots team, um, but I do see a bit of them as it's not it's not any one guy who's doing right. the damage. It's just a team collectively coming together, working hard and getting the job done and really performing above what many people thought they would do. I mean, this is a team that people thought would be in contention for, you know, number a bottom pick. Yeah. Right. The number one pick, you know, even, <clears throat> and, and right now they're, and if they're the, in the lead of the NFC West in first place, and they're going to be a tough game this week and a tough matchup. On especially on the offensive side against the Bucks defense, and we'll break down vice versa. I'm sure a little bit later in the season, yeah. in the show, but they present a challenge. And Kenneth Walker is a huge part of that. Oh yeah, they've beyond exceeded any expectations. As you said, when they traded Russell Wilson, it was like, all right, well, this is probably Pete Carroll's last season. You know, he's up there in age. He's been there for a long time. Maybe the message just kind of tunes out. But no, they've received his message and exceeded all expectations and worked even harder than I think anyone really imagined. And you mentioned they start with the with the ground game, and that's true. And you see why Kenneth Walker was a um was a Heisman, you know, candidate and, right. and almost won it last season. And it's really just like body blow after body blow. And that's what worries me for the Bucs is that, you know, you look at that Ravens game, they played great against the Ravens in the first half, but you let them slip through the cracks and all of a sudden it gets going. Like Kenneth body Walker blow, might be slow. Might be shut down for the first three quarters, but then goes off in the fourth. And it just takes that one play and everything kind of, it's almost like a Jenga uh, stack or whatever you want to call it. Like that one piece comes out and it goes all over the place. You mentioned Cooper Cup. You know, the stats show that Cooper Cup went off against the Bucks, and he did. You can't take away that huge touchdown that he had. But if you were, you can make the argument that the Bucks actually played against Cooper Cup pretty well for the most part he had that other they have in the past not in the past i'm talking about on sunday's game if you take out the touchdown he had that one other big play but other than that they were able to contain him again you can't take away that play but that's what concerns me for the bucks in this game is you know as you mentioned they play collectively as a group and sure like dk is kind of the celebrity of the team if you will (laughs) Tyler Lockett is well known because he was on the uh, that Super Bowl team when they won uh, years ago. So there are some like names that people outside of Seattle would know, just general right. football fans. But this is also a much bigger matchup talent-wise than the Bucks have seen in the past couple of weeks. The Rams, you really just had Cup. The Steelers and the Panthers, we know kind of what you had there. Lamar Jackson. He didn't have anybody. Court. At the end exactly. of the game, like it was just Lamar Jackson. 
yeah, like Bateman was injured. Andrews, yeah, Bateman, Andrews left the game so, early. So yeah. you look at those two wide receivers, this is definitely one of the bigger matchups that the Bucs have had to go against in recent weeks. But with that said, Jamel Dean's been playing out of his mind. And when Carlton Davis is in there, he's one of the top corners in the league. So right. you're kind of fighting fire with fire in that situation. And the last point, going back to the running game a little bit, sure, we didn't learn too much about if the Bucs haven't proved stopping the run because of who they went up against with the Rams' lowly run game. But we also can't totally make a uh, you know prediction on how much having Akeem Hicks back is really going to help this defensive line for this Germany game against the Seahawks. Because, of course, it opened up a lot of things for Vita Vea, and Vita Vea wrecked that game against the Rams. You know, you can't really argue that. He had two sacks in the game, All right. made a lot of big plays. So I'm curious to see for Akeem Hicks in this game how much that can help stopping the run game. I know they brought him in because he's quicker than a Dominican Sioux and he can get after the passer a little bit better. But how much of an impact are we going to see from those two guys in this game when it's a much tougher matchup than what we've seen uh, in the past couple of weeks? Right. I think that's going to be a huge factor because, as you mentioned, that Ravens game, if Kenneth Walker gets going and gets going early and, and gives you those body blow after body blow after body blow and starts to wear this team down and the Ram, uh, and the Seahawks are able to really have long drives and ex extend the time that they're on the field, win the t time of possession battle, um, and the Bucs can't get off the field, and, and vice versa, the Bucs offense can't deliver the same type of situation where they're having long, uh, longer drives that we could look at. And Akeem hit, so he looked a little gassed later, later in the game. I'm not, I mean, yeah. I definitely saw it. Um, so like, that's a situation you, they've got to play good. They've got to play smart. They've got to play fast out the gate. They can't let those types of situations happen because if they do, we're looking at another situation where, yeah, they might play great in the first half, and I think having Akeem Hicks is huge because he allows Vita to do so much more, taking on those double teams. Um, and he hasn't had that the past couple of weeks. We've seen that. But at the same time, if they can't stop the run and Kenneth Walker gets going, we're in the same situation almost as they were in the Ravens game. And, and that's what yeah. makes me, I wouldn't say nervous for this team, but makes me skeptical that they can go out there and play. Because, Matt, we haven't seen it. We haven't seen a full 60 minutes of football from this team on any phase. You know, special teams like no, we haven't. It was the closest last week, and they still let up a big, huge return if it wasn't for um, a, a holding penalty that really was away from the play and didn't really affect it. So, like, I mean, if, if they didn't have that, that's a huge, huge 40-something yard punt return. Um, but, again, fortunately, you know, there was a flag called. Um, yeah. now, even though the hold happened away from the play, that brought it back, but – you know, 60 minutes of football isn't this team's hasn't been this team's strong suit. And I it's so weird to say, I think they're really going to need it against the Seattle Seahawks team in Germany. Yeah, Todd Bowles wasn't too happy that Jake Camarda was making all of this all of those tackles. He had two tackles in the game. Oh, yes. And they're like, Todd, how do you feel about him? Do you like Jake Camarda making those tackles? He's like, No, I do not. And he said <laughs> in a very funny Todd Bowles uh type of way. You know what I want to see, JC? I want to see the Bucs play with a lead that's more than just a one-score game. Like, how many times have they really had that since week two when they just kept pick-sixing and getting all these interceptions against the end of the game, James too. Winston? Yeah, and that was late in the game. Like, remember, they didn't take the lead until the fourth quarter with that Brashad Perryman touchdown. After that, leads have been few and far between. You know, they haven't really had more than 
a seven point lead in in a lot of games since week two. They've been very tough to 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 come by for this whole team, which is uh really just been super uh, watching the bucks has been super annoying this year because you know the potential that they have uh all the talent that is on this team and it's just really not totally coming together and let me ask you this because we spoke to byron leftwich today and we can go into detail but for those watching and listening and again we appreciate everyone that uh is watching here see a couple seahawks in there too Appreciate you guys watching. We'll have a bonus episode tomorrow as well with Paul Atwell. We'll talk about that later. Um, going in detail about the Bucks Seahawks matchup. Goes for an hour and a half. He was with a uh, a Seahawks uh, media tape breakdown guy and uh, and, and, and write stories as well. Yeah, so uh, they recorded last night, which would be very cool. But anyway, like Byron did the same song and dance that he always does. He doesn't really take accountability for what went on. You ask about one player, he generalizes the whole thing and and says, uh, you know, we got to play better as a team. We know we can play better. Just no specifics or anything like that. I, uh, is that is that what you got from it? Because that's essentially how I felt. Absolutely. It's just a bunch of filler with, with, with him, whether, you know, Scott asked him about Donovan Smith's play, and he's like, we've all got to get better at his group. I think we can coach it better. We can play it better. You know, ask them about the running the ball in short yardage situations. Um, you know, it's just the same. We just don't do enough good enough job executing. We've got to be better in the red zone. We have to be better. We're working on things. I see it in practice. I asked them about going, starting to go up tempo more frequently and why we haven't done it, why they haven't done it much uh, in earlier games. And he's like, oh, we have it every week. We carry it with us every week. Yeah. But depending on who we play against, you know, it determines of when we go to it. He's like, we get into games and we'll see how this thing goes. We're just trying to do the right thing and have as much success as possible. We do understand we've been doing a good job at it. Okay, so why are you using it in situations where it's dire to win? I mean, you look at it in that Ravens game. Dire situations where you needed to win. They got success those last couple of drives. Touchdown, field goal. You look at last week, touchdown to win the game. You look at um, against the Packers when they had to get that the touchdown and the two-point conversion. No hurry. Huddle up. Touchdown. Almost tied the game up with a two-point convert. Like it, It's <laughs> been working since week three, and the, the fact that you're only utilizing it now is just insane. And then, you know, especially on first down runs, it, it's, it's still a problem. They were in the ball 12 times on 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 first down. Um, one was negated by a penalty, so really it turned into a, a – and that was for a five-yard gain. So that was kind of a bigger – or a four-yard gain. So that was kind of a whatever play. But ended up being 11 times. They only totaled 39 yards on those plays. And the breakdown was pretty much – the first was a three-yard run by Leonard Fournette, two-yard run, one-yard by, by Fournette, then a five-yard run by Vaughn, then a four-yard run by Fournette. Then Rashad White comes in, and this is the series that that Lenny was out, and the subsequent series is the one where we got the the message from Tracy Wolfson on on the broadcast saying that yeah. Ornette was frustrated. Rashad White comes in, has a run for seven yards, has a run for six yards, has a run for five yards, all on first down. They go back to Leonard Fournette on the next drive for a first down run, negative one yards. Go back to White, four yards. Go back to White, okay, he got two yards later in the game, but. 
are you seeing a trend? Are you seeing one? Are you listening? Like, yeah, and I don't think it's the them. offensive line. It's like, oh, Rashad's in the game. We're going to block that's better what he now. Said. That's what he's saying. He's like, you know, I don't think it matters who's running it. It matters, but it doesn't. We've got to get a better job of getting to the second la- level and getting a better job of getting the right lanes to the right spots. Like, yes, that all matters, Matt. I'm not saying it doesn't. But Rashad White's vision was something that was highly touted yeah. when he was coming out of college. Mm-hmm. It was he's been compared to Dickerson, to Le'Veon Bell for his vision, patience, and ability to hit a hole once it opens. And I don't know, six yards, seven yards, five yards, four yards. Like that's what you're looking for in first down runs. Exactly. If they're going to run it on first down, I'm fine. If you get six yards on first down, that's that's a win, you know. And I'm not saying they should do it every single time like they did. I don't know if Byron was truly trying to to prove a point there. But Lenny got back to the Lenny that we initially saw when he was on this team where he just he 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 gets tippy toed. He he dances, he tippy toes and then he waits. And it's funny because Rashad White, as you said, looking at the tape and and the reason why the Bucks brought him in is because of, as you said, the, the patience and and the vision. And while it's good to have patience, I think the like the first game of Rashad's NFL career he was a little too patient and that's why you you know it's a rookie his first career game not expecting him to be fantastic but I think he learned quickly it's almost better for Rashad White that he isn't patient now he just hits the hole but it's helping with those four five six seven yard gains which is super important it was funny on Tuesday hanging out with a couple friends and like we're talking about the box and stuff like that. And we're talking about like how the, the run game is bad. And my buddy, he's a Cowboys fan, but he watches the Bucks too. And he's like, oh man, like it's the offensive line. Like that's why they're not running. That's not why they're not running the ball too well. And I'm like, it's, it's actually not the offensive line. Like sure. The offensive line could play better. And Luke Gedeke had all of his issues, but it's been better with Nick Leverett in there. I'm like, it's not all the offensive line. A lot of it's like the offensive coordinator and the running backs. He's like, what do you mean? Like, if they're not getting yards, it's on the offensive line. But I'm like, it's more than that. It's when the running back gets the ball and he's not hitting the hole right away. It's when the offensive coordinator calls a play that brings in three tight ends and you have nine <laughs> guys in the box. I was like, if you spread them out, I'm like saying all of this stuff. And he's just like, yeah, yeah, all this. We kept going back and forth. It, it, it accomplished nothing. It was essentially uh, a Twitter fight in, in real life. But um, I don't think people realize, but but yeah, like personnel matters in these type of situations. And Byron talks about wanting to put the players in in the best abilities. And Rashad White's simply just playing better right now. There's no other way to sugarcoat it. And again, sure, maybe on a play or two, Rashad gets a little bit of better blocking, but he's making the most of it. There's been times Leonard Fournette gets great blocking too, and he just picks the wrong hole. You see it on the tape, and so it's really frustrating uh, getting into that. I want, yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say it is special because last year, how well he played, especially before the injury. I know. He was going to, you know, he he finished third in the team in receptions. He was gonna crack a thousand yards if he didn't get injured towards the end of the year and had to miss that time. Um, you know, it, it's just frustrating, and now he's at the point where he's. It's almost like it's 2020 where he's getting frustrated. Rojo's out, there, it's, but it's not Rojo. It's Rashad White now, and you know he's. He's dialed in on Twitter. He's dialed in on the media. Like he knows what people are. He knows what we're saying that Rashad White should get more, and it probably pisses him off. You know, he just signed his. Yeah, I don't blame him there. Three-year, twenty-one million dollar deal. But the fact of the matter is, you're a hundred percent right. It has. I think at this point, it has less to do with the offensive line, more so with predictability on the play calling, play sequencing, and also just Lenny hasn't 
he he doesn't appear to have in the passing game. Guys, got it. Third in receiving yards game, on the team. <laughs> it doesn't in the running game. It just seems like something's off there, and I, and it, 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 his speed isn't as as good as it was. And I don't think everyone wants to be. Oh, he was overweight in the offseason. I don't think that has to do anything Enough, with it. That has nothing to do with how he's playing. It just looks like it's he's in shape now. You know, indecisive. He's, uh, he's drinking Celsius and working out. So he is you know, with him good. and Scotty Miller. I think yeah, it's yeah. more of um more of indecisiveness at the hole. I mean, you see where he sees a hole, but then he tries to, or just trying to do too much. I think that's what it is. I think it's more of a mental roadblock for Lenny. Obviously the speed's not going to come back, but I think it's more of a mental, mental roadblock for him more than it is something that's not, can't be corrected at all. I don't know. Yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting. Cause I think I I hear what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Cause I, I think sometimes he tries to go for that big, like, 65 yard run where sure that's great when you're not always going to get it so just make sure you get to the right spot and have plus yards than just setting up a second and two or right because when he's in space as a receiver out of the backfield you you can tell he's still got you can still make people i mean you go back to that dallas game he was like whoop whoop you know right yeah i can't do the berman as good as you but yeah (laughs) (laughs) he was still making guys miss and he was you know still like churning out yards after the catch and i it just seems like, I don't know, behind the line, he's having trouble figuring out what he needs to do. And maybe that turns around with some real self-scouting after the bye week. Or or maybe at that point, it's Rashad White's time. I don't know. I do know one thing, Matt, and you and I both agree on this. The snaps need to be closer. They need to be even closer than they were last week. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why it was weird. Like, Lenny's getting upset about the playing time, and it was still like – 57 percent to like 30 whatever percent like right. it was still a marginable lead for uh leonard Fournette. want to give a shout out to maze guru he says he's a seahawks fan but he's not bashing the bucks hey welcome to the the show clearly the the bucks are playing your team this week and we welcome all fans maybe you want to learn a little bit more about the bucks your next opponent we have awesome uh, bucks fans in here too i see tony in there a football fan as well common sensei always uh in the mix and uh, a lot of other fans as well so uh steven reed in there so appreciate everyone watching and listening make sure you like and subscribe to uh this podcast um of course pewter report tv and all of our social media at pewter report let's get into the uh injury report that came out before the bucks flew off to germany um but before that we'll hear a message from the seminal hard rock casino in tampa just the way you like it me and my wife decided we'll have some fun. I was playing a two-cent machine. Six bets in, I hit a jackpot. $117,000. Hi, my name is Tara because I want over $500,000 playing slot. I do this full-time and I would not change it for the world. I'm Gloria. I won over $2 million at Seminole Hard Rock Casino. I went and bought a bunch of jewelry. <laughs> my name is Mike. I won over $350,000. I love playing back rock because it hits different. When you pull in that car and you flip over that nine, beating that eight, can't miss. I'm Jimmy. I won a half million dollars in a slot tournament at Seminole Hard Rock in Tampa. Even a blind squirrel can get a nut sometimes. <laughs> my name is Philip, and I won 215000 on Blazing Sevens. Putting my last $40 on the table, next thing you know, bam, 215000 jackpot. I hit that bad boy. I didn't realize how much it would change my life. You only live once. Have fun with it. Right. Anybody can win at Seminole Hard Rock in Tampa. You never know when you can win big over at the Seminole Hard Rock and Casino uh, in Tampa. And uh, going to a Christmas party there next month. I'm very excited for that. Went to it last year. It was an awesome time. Looking forward again uh, to going this year. So very, 
very excited for that. Uh, so make sure you check it out. Seminole Hard Rock Casino in Tampa. It's right here. So you can do some gambling, go to the Bucks game the next time that they're home in a couple of weeks. Um, anyway, let's get into this injury report here. It came out uh, a little bit earlier. You could also find it on pewterreport.com. Tom Brady was limited in practice. He just had rest. He's good to go. No worries there. Cam Brate was a full participant. He has that neck injury that he's been dealing with for a couple of weeks. So still not totally sure if he'll play in the game because he participated last week as well and did right. not play. And neck injuries are very, very serious. So I think the Bucs are being cautious with this as they should be. Yeah, I wouldn't so expect we'll him to the Browns game the earliest. Yeah, Don't miss it with this game. Right. And we love Cam. But Kadon should be number one. I, I don't think. Uh, I don't think there's going to be much pushback there. That's that's Kate Otten's job moving forward. But in Cam Brace defense, he's been everywhere from the top tight end to the last tight end on the depth chart. So I'm sure right, he's been be. number two the yeah, last season. Exactly. Exactly. He knows his limitations. He's trying to get better right. at the blocking, but yeah. at this point, Cade makes more sense at, because he can do both right now. So I with think that, he'll be fine with that role. I don't see a question. Uh, Mike Evans for the second day in a row dealing with the ribs and ankle injury. He was limited. That's something to pay attention to because he got hit on like that first play against the Rams and didn't, um, I don't know. Didn't look his total self the rest of the game. So I'll be shocked if he doesn't play though. Oh, I think he's going to play, but you know, Mike's had some drops lately and not exactly playing like, the Mike Evans that we all know. So um, test too. I mean, ribs are tough, man. I mean, we saw it kept Gronk out for quite a while last season. Right. Really, <laughs> football rib injury. Yeah, a little tough to play with. Um, Russell Gage did not participate. Hamstring injury, dude. I don't care if he doesn't play until December. <laughs> get just get healthy, man. Just get right. healthy. I'd rather wait a month and get Russell Gage at a hundred percent in December than this forty-five. To fifty-five percent, Russell Gage. That Whatever it is that he's out there. <laughs> yeah, uh, Luke Edeke did not participate again with the foot injury, so Nick Leverett will still be the starter. Uh, Julio, Julio Jones uh, had rest, and uh, he's dealing with that PCL injury. Of course, did not participate yesterday. He was a full participant today. Something to monitor. We talked a lot about Julio. I still think <laughs> even when he plays, not totally efficient. So I don't know. Good if this he plays, is a big I one. guess. This, this is, is a big, big one. one. Yeah. And he didn't even really play in the second half of last week's game, you know? So yep. every time he gets up, it takes like 20 minutes, uh, half an hour for him to get up. <laughs> uh, Nick Leverett did not participate. He uh, has an illness, illness right now. Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. the big that's the big one right there. Yeah. Um, now, I know in Tampa, because my daughter had it on Sunday, uh, there is a little thing going around it's a fever and a stomach bug it was only 24 hours for her one of my co-workers at work just had, his kid just had it, it only 24 hours for them okay. so fingers crossed that he's yeah. gonna sleep on the plane and this will just be a 24-hour symptom for him because if not now then they're diving down to brandon walton most likely yep. that left guard spot and that's a a different story um against a, a seattle team that's been pretty decent at getting pressure on the quarterback um, even though, you know, their numbers are, 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 even though, I mean, the, the players aren't like the guys who you'd think would be, you know, they're not the big name household name guys. They've been doing a really good right. job. Getting pressure, so. Yeah. Again, running theme of just collective effort, collective group, uh, doing their thing. 
Uh, Shaq Mason uh, was out with, for a personal reason and also dealing with an ankle injury on Wednesday. He was back limited today. Uh, JJ Russell, yeah, JJ Russell, linebacker, did not participate. Ansel Winfield Jr. once again a full participant. But we know the story there. Uh, Todd Bull said earlier this week that he's still in concussion protocol. He practiced all of last week, but did not play in the game. We'll find out more tomorrow when we get to speak to Todd Bowles, who will be in Germany. So some of the reporters that are in Germany right now, Jenna Lane, uh, Greg Amon, Rick Straub, they're in Germany right now. Um, I'm sure they'll be on the Bucks YouTube where we can check it out. Uh, and so. we don't even know if he was on the plane, which is a exactly situation because I know sometimes with concussions, um, depending on where you're at, they they recommend not traveling. And where yes. So that's one of the downsides of playing internationally in Germany is you have to leave a, a day earlier. And so you have to make that decision. I remember last year too, when he, he, I think it was Winfield as well, had a concussion and they were going to play the Eagles and it was a Thursday night game. So you kind of had to make that decision. Like maybe right. he could have been good to go by Saturday, but because you're playing Thursday and you got to leave early, you got to make that decision. So right. yeah, we'll find out a lot tomorrow. Uh, Cause yeah, like you said, he's probably not going to fly if he's not going to play in the game. That'd be kind of silly to do with a concussion, which is uh, right. Exactly. And I think JJ Russell, right. Exactly. And you don't want it to cause any other issues or, you know, mental issues. I think JJ Russell is interesting too, because the bucks don't really have an, another, he's their fourth inside linebacker. So if anything happens, yeah. you know, you're already dealing with a, uh, a Kunle Fadokazi, but if, if something happens, I don't, I mean, they have Ulysses Gilbert who they, who they signed mm -hmm. recently, but, I mean, he's just been on the practice squad for two weeks. So it'll be interesting to see if they elevate who they elevate or if they're just going to roll with three and maybe, you know, say we've got Keanu Neal, worst case scenario. But then that it's also one of those. If you don't have Winfield there, I know you have Nolan Turner. Mike Edwards is back healthy. It's it's one of those situations. If in case you need it. Right. They're they're thin at both safety and linebacker. If one of those if, if an injury to recur at either one of those spots. Definitely don't want to see Delaney back at safety, that's for sure. Yeah, it's one of those emergency situations. Almost like a couple of years ago when the Bucks had a Thursday night game against the Rams and right. Lenny was injured and I think Rojo was out and maybe Keyshawn Vaughn was the only guy available, whatever. So there was talks of like Devin White being the emergency running back. Right. Uh, well, if I mean, that was the, the case. The Rams last year. <laughs> Cam Brent yeah. was the wide receiver for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, listen, body. you never want to get into those emergency situations, but it is kind of fun when you see a player play right. a different position. You kind of see it more in like baseball and things like that, not necessarily football. But Kicking, I would like to I think it's football is where you see it a yes, lot. Yes, yeah, exactly. The kicker gets hurt. So either like the punter has to do it or like the Cowboys had their safety do it. And Dominican Sue kicked an extra point in a preseason game, right. I think, for the Lions back in the day. Ocho Cinco got to in a preseason game. So, Wes um, Welker. Oh, did Wes Welker? I remember when Doug Flutie did the... um. Oh, the drop kick. Yeah, yeah, the drop yeah. kick. Wes Welker did it in a Dolphins game in the regular season. Yeah, so, I mean, sometimes you have to. Yeah, exactly. Um, the Bucks are in good hands, though. I think they, they got Jake right. Camargo. Who, I do kind of want to see for one series. I would like to see Devin White play as a running back. I think that, <laughs> that would be cool. I want to see Vita uh, Bear get back to his roots. <laughs> yes, yeah. Get get on that goal line again. Nothing else is working in the red zone. So, right. Uh, why, well yeah, why not? Why not try that? Uh, real quick, I'll just I'll go through the, the Seahawks injury report. Safety, Joey Blunt with the quad, full participant. DJ Dallas, the running back, and knee, full participant. A lot of these guys are full participants. 
Tight end Will Disley, a chest injury, fully participated. Defensive end Puna Ford, an illness, fully participated. Linebacker Cullen Gillespie with a knee, did not participate. Wide receiver Marquise Goodwin, a groin injury was limited. Uh, defensive end Shelby Harris, elbow, fully participated. Wide receiver Penny Hart, fully participated with a hamstring injury. Safety Ryan Neal, ankle, was limited. Outside linebacker uh, Darrell Taylor with the groin, fully participated. And nose tackle Al Woods has an illness. A couple of illnesses going around for both yeah. teams. He fully participated as well. So not too oh, many. Illness, which is good. Yeah, not too many uh, really serious injuries for the Seahawks that might take out uh, some of their best players. I, so I think yeah. Marquise Goodwin is probably the biggest name just because, you know, he's got the groin injury. And while yeah. he hasn't been a huge, huge factor for them, um, he has made some some splash plays, uh, you know, and he's got that long distance speed and, and a groin injury could kind of hamper that ability. You know, he's got two touchdowns on the year, 179 yards. So. Um, he's still he's still a guy that they can go to when they need to. So, um, yeah. Let's talk pretty a little healthy. bit. About, let's talk. Yeah, pretty healthy for the most part for the Seahawks. Bucks have a couple questions with Bray and, and Winfield, uh, as we talked about. And not looking like we're going to see Russell Gage again. And Julio Jones, again, is in bubble wrap. So I don't know how much of a factor he can be. But I think for the offense, we'll talk about the Bucks offense now. There's been kind of two running themes with the offense this week based on how they played Sunday and how that game ended against the Rams. One being, will they, or please, can they go a little more up tempo? Because it seems that when they go up tempo, it's the only time it works for them. It's the only time that they score touchdowns for this team because the run game doesn't work. And when you take the game out of Byron Leftwich's hands and you let Tom Brady call the plays, the Bucs can actually move the ball down the field. Even when you have 50 seconds and no timeouts, the Bucs find a way to score. And the other one is, if Gage isn't going to play, if Julio's going to be limited by this knee injury where he's in, he's out, he's in, he's out, he's not in the big moments, the Bucs still need that third option in the passing game. And Kate Otten is getting there for sure, without question. I just don't think we can put it all on Kate Otten and they sprinkle in the running game, as we talked about, Leonard Fournette. But typically, when the when the running back's getting the ball in the passing game, it's not like all the way vertically down the field. It's either short dump-off passes, five, ten-yard routes, and then if they break tackles and make plays, that's great for the running back. Uh, but Scotty Miller was a guy that, that stepped up last week. Again, we'll forget about the drop because they ended up winning the game. But he made some crucial catches on that last drive. He had his best game of the season, five receptions. Um, I think he got over 50 yards, so definitely Scotty Miller's best game. I'm not totally willing to say that Scotty Miller is going to be like consistently that guy. We saw him get that opportunity against the Packers. He wasn't able to really do much with it. It was a great game for Scotty last week. And again, we all like Scotty. I just don't know if we're going to get that every single week. I wouldn't expect it. I don't think that was like a breakout game for Scotty Miller, but maybe I'm wrong, but I'm just curious what you think about the situation. Yeah, I think, you know, we've been talking about this for, I feel like, three or four weeks now, Maddie. that someone needs to step up and be that number three guy. I don't know if that's going to be Scotty on a consistent game-to-game basis. But even if it isn't, even if it's not one guy, but it's a collection of efforts, which what we've seen, as long as someone's stepping up, because that's the problem here. We haven't seen that guy. No one's 
stepped up really because Mike and, and Chris are just getting force fed almost all the targets. Yeah. Uh, Cause Brady's doesn't, doesn't have anywhere else to go to most of the time. So if, you know, it's Scotty getting separation. If it's Cade getting separation, being able to make plays, they need someone to step up. I don't know if they have a, a true number three option on this team. It should be Julio Jones or Russell Gage, but neither of those guys have been right all season long. So, you know, it, it's at this point, it's still a number three option by committee. I think Kate Otten's going to have bigger games going forward. Maybe not as big as a game winning touchdown, but I think he'll be part of the, the game plan. There's nothing like, catching a, a a touchdown to win the game to earn Brady's trust, right? Yeah. And we heard Brady after the game say, hey, that was the play that I wanted to run. I told Byron, this is what I want to run. He called that play, much like all the other plays he called on the way down there. And uh, it was successful. So that builds that camaraderie and that trust. Obviously, Scotty making those catches have to do do the same thing. You know, Brady said in the post-game press conference, you know, he doesn't count drops. He doesn't, you know... And he saw that by going back to Scotty on that on that important you know final drive of the game to win. So I agree, someone's got to step up. I don't think it's going to be OBJ as people are talking about. Right. I I, I, I wanted to get field. to this. And Tyler, I appreciate the 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 question or just the statement. OBJ signed him. If O if Odell Beckham wants to come to Tampa. Absolutely sign him because at this point we're seeing Julio. It just isn't the guy because of injuries. And, you know, if it's a one year rental type of thing, sure. Go all in with Odell because this is probably your last year with Tom Brady. So I understand you have Russell Gage, 10 million a year. They have him for three seasons. Hey, we're paying him. We can't bring in another guy. But if this is Tom Brady's last year, sure. Go for it. But other than just wanting to play with Tom Brady, why would Odell Beckham want to come to the Bucs? Sure. They're at the top of the division, but it's the weakest division in the NFC, like hands down. And sure, you get that first home game. Even if you win your division, you get, and that's not a guarantee at this point. I just think with all the other options out there, like if I'm Odell, I would much rather go to the Cowboys and be essentially their number two wide receiver than go to the Bucks and be the third guy at best. So right. I appreciate the, the, the Odell sentiment. I, but it takes two to tango, and I just don't see why Odell would want to come here other than for the fact that, uh, you know, and, playing with Tom Brady. And he pretty much said, too, recently, he's like, I'm sick of living out of a suitcase. Like, he wants to go somewhere. I think if he signs somewhere, he's going to try to get a long-term deal. I don't think it's necessarily going to be a one-year stopgap. Or it's going to be somewhere where he thinks he can sign a, sign a long-term deal in the offseason um, yeah. with that club. And, and, you know, the names have been out there, Cowboys. <laughs> Giants, Packers, um, those are the teams that... Well, he's not going to the Packers at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. Giants would be weird to see him back there. But, you know, I don't know. I think... I don't think it's an option for him, you know, I for the Bucks at all. I, I know he's wanting to play with Brady, but right. You know, where does he fit? I mean, sure, at this point, Julio and Gage have given you practically nothing. So if OBJ can step in and take that number three and then just push those guys down the roster line, then sure. I mean, I don't think having OBJ on your roster is going to be worse than having Brashad Perriman on the roster. Right. But I just think listening to the Bulls comments, listen to OBJ's comments, Bulls about how, you know, getting a new receiver in here is going to take a couple of weeks to get up to speed. Listen to Tyler Johnson pretty much say that, I mean, uh, about Tyler Johnson getting him in here that he knows the system knows he can play X, Y, and Z. And he knows that he, he trusts them there and got chemistry with Brady. 
I just don't know. I think that was their big wide receiver acquisition move. I wrote about it. I think that's what they're going to do. Now, Gronk is a different story, Maddie. I think if Gronk wants to come back, they'll move heaven and earth to get him back on the oh, of course. They're not going – they have th- a little over $3.5 million in cap space, and they're not going to go to someone to restructure or, or whatever when they're already $48 million negative next season without a quarterback to yeah. open up a big chunk of, of space for, for Odell. And I don't know if Odell wants to come back for the veterans minimum and pay him, you know, $500 for the 500,000 for the rest of the year. So he did it last year, but I don't know if he wants to do it again. We'll see what happens. I'm just skeptical on the whole OBJ. I think Gronk is a much, much higher chance of probability. And even and, that's a long shot. And the Gronk thing is different too, because he only wants to play with Tom. Like he doesn't want to go somewhere else. And so it, it's kind of a different thing. It's pretty much, Hey, Gronk, do you want to play? Okay, cool. We'll bring you in. It's pretty much, it's up to Gronk whether or not he wants to do it. So it's a little bit different than Odell being like, okay, I have my options here. Gronk, it's just the Bucks. Right. Or uh, that's we'll about bust. it. Trustin, uh, thank you so much for the four ninety nine dollars Super Chat. Trustin says, uh, Bucks come home with win. I heard rumors and are ramping up about Gronk coming back for a run after the bye. Could you all see that happening truthfully? Now, JC, you've been saying for a little bit that you predict that Gronk is going to come back. If the Bucks win, win, though, they have to win. win. Yeah, they have to win. If they win this game and the Falcons lose tonight, they play against the Panthers, not the most thrilling of Thursday night football games. Um, But if the Bucks can build a sustainable lead in the division and they still do control their own destiny if they win out they would win the division but if they can build like a one or two game lead then sure i think that would entice gronk to come back a little bit more i've always said gronk at this point has nothing to prove he makes probably even more money post football now than he would like playing in it but hey love of the game if he wants to come back i still don't totally think that he's going to come back. There's still a lot of issues with this offense. I don't know if they totally all get corrected if Gronk comes back. And sure, it's a huge upgrade if he's in there. But then what about like getting back into football shape? How long does it take for him to gel and connect in this offense? I'm aware that he fully knows this offense being in here the last two seasons. I just think it might take a little bit of time. And then you're looking at like middle to late December where it's like, all right, now the offense is finally getting it going with Gronk. And at that point, you'll see where the Bucks are. So it's totally I, a possibility, but I don't know. I th- I think, too, if they come back with a win, it's a, it's a more possibility. I guess on the Fox broadcast, you said, my girlfriend's missed me talking yeah, about him. We heard yeah. his agent say he doesn't think he's done. We heard his girlfriend, who spends more time with him than anyone, Camille Caustic, say she doesn't think he's done. Um, and I think he's such an upgrade on third down, on the running game, on red zone. Like, there's so much. And he and Tom know each other. Like, it's just like the back of their hand. I still think that the allure, if they're in a position to make a serious run, remember, the NFC is in shambles right now. Like, the teams that you thought were going to be the, the teams yeah. aren't the teams. And I and I still don't know if I trust the teams that are there. I don't know if I trust that the Eagles are great. They haven't really been tested. The Cowboys are where the Cowboys are. They're the Cowboys and they're going to cowboy it up some point. The Giants still, I don't think, you know, I don't know if they're really truly uh, playing above, playing above level right now. Vikings, another team I think they're playing above level. The Seahawks, they're playing like a team right now, but I don't know if they're better. If you handed a random person on the street who does, who knows football, but and, and take the records out and said, this is the Bucks roster, this is the Seahawks roster, and say, who do you think, who do you think is the better team right now? 
everyone would say the Bucs. So they have the better talent of almost any team in the NFC. So I think that plays into it too. If they come back with a win, they're 500. And then, you know, I just think the allure of walking into the Hall of Fame with Brady together into that induction ceremony five years from now is just so strong. I don't know if Brady starts pulling at that string. Like, bro, we could go into the Hall of Fame together. We can make a run here that we got the pieces. We just we're missing you. You're the missing ingredient. Jensen comes back probably sometime in mid-December as well. Like that changes the whole dynamic of this football team because that changes how much better they're going to be able to run the ball and the attitude and just it solves some of their woes as far as red zone and and as far as third down and as far as run blocking with both of those guys back. I could see it. They get those guys back. Let's say what's so what is the the Browns, the Saints, the 49ers, the Bengals. Uh, the 49ers Bengals game with those three, four games left to kind of tune up before the playoffs. Look out, Bucks can make a run because even the AFC, I mean, the the Chiefs should have lost to the Titans, you know. Yeah, if the Titans and, had a quarterback. I mean, the, I like Malik uh, Willis, but he's a, you know, he's a. The Jets beat the Bills. Every team is they susceptible. Did. This team, this this NFL year is wonky. And the Bucks have the best talent, especially if they can bring those guys back and they can go on a run. December, November football, Matt, as we know, and as you know, as I know personally, as you know, unfortunately, and as we've come to know together as the Bucks is when is when this team, when this team and Brady does their best work. Yeah, absolutely. Now, there is one flaw in Brady's convincing point, uh, hypothetically, going to the Hall of Fame together. That means that Brady's retiring after this year and not going right. to the uh, San Francisco, San Francisco 49ers. 49ers. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we'll see there. And Gronk, it's funny because like the Gronk brothers, the family, they have like a YouTube channel. They're always playing different sports and doing fun, different things. I don't know if I've seen this yet on their YouTube channel. I don't think they've gone bowling yet, but they should definitely film something Ooh. over at the Pin Chasers uh, in Tampa. Well, they have multiple locations in East Pasco, Zephyr Hills, Midtown and Veterans of Tampa. They have one pretty close to the Advent Health Training Center where the Bucks practice on a uh, weekly basis uh it's a great place to go with friends and family either during the day or at night a fun outing with friends and family different deals all the time all you can eat pizza all you can bowl dollar beers the food's very underrated from the chicken tendies to the pizza to the nachos all great stuff Uh, if you have a kid and you want to book a birthday party for them they have a great birthday party deals over there they have a arcade area so the kids can bowl play some video games, a lot of fun stuff there. Go to pinchasers.net to see what deal they have for you. They also have brunch on the weekends. Maybe you want to go watch the Bucks and have some brunch. Go to Pinchasers and uh, do that. And, of course, the holidays are coming up next month. Start booking your holiday uh, party because they get booked pretty quickly. So check out pinchasers.net. See all of the great deals that they have. Now, I will say, Matt, with this Seattle de- Seattle defense, they've been playing really well, better than their standard. And I think it's a really young team, too. If yes. you look at them, you know, the, the two cornerbacks, they the Seahawks doubled up at every position in the draft. They doubled yeah. up at edge rusher. They doubled up at wide receiver, doubled up at corner, and most, most notably tackle and also running back as well. I think that the pair of Tariq Woolen and Kobe Bryant have been playing outstanding but i yeah and it shows because of the interceptions and if you look at 
Right now, the Seahawks, they're fifth in the league in turnover mar margin. But really where it surprises me is because they don't really have that name guy. They don't have – obviously, they're without Jamal Adams, who is a huge part of their rush. But they're doing it with guys like Shelby Harris and Daryl Taylor, Jordan Brooks, and, and Boy Mafe, who was their Boy second Mafe, player. yeah. We're um, all big on him. Well, maybe yeah. not all of us, but and pretty big. They are actually fourth in the league in sacks right now. They are yeah. they're getting after the quarterback at a really good rate. Um, and you know, they're they're protecting their own quarterback at a pretty good rate around you know the middle of the pack. But that defense, while it, it has struggled against the run a bit, you know, they're 27th, so they're they're below the box, they're bottom half. And, yeah. the, and the past defense is still giving up some plays. I don't think that's indicative of what this team has been. And they've been able to really get after the quarterback, make turnovers. And that's been a huge reason for the success. So playing smart football is going to be huge. And Brady hasn't had a turnover since, what was it, week one? I mean, yeah. He's, now he's come very close. Like he probably should have had a couple of interceptions in the Rams. Yeah. So he's gotten away with some of that. But yeah, to your point. Geno Smith, 15 touchdowns, four interceptions. Like That's a great ratio right then and there. The Seahawks, again, have a great blend of like veteran players and young players that are that are really doing a great job. Like whether it's, you know, Lockett's been there for a long time, but you also got Kenneth Walker. Um, you know, you, you mentioned some of the guys on the defensive line, some veterans, some, you know, rookies with Mafe, Tariq Wollin at corner, obviously. Him and Sauce Gardner have been, I mean, Sauce Gardner was a first-round pick, so that was kind of expected, but just two corners being a relevation as a rookie at arguably the toughest position to play in football outside of the quarterback position. I right. think you can make the case for corners. So uh, they're a team that the Bucks have to play. You mentioned before, they can't have any letdowns. They can't, you know, JC, it's so funny. Like last week, Josh Capo and I, during the pregame show, um, we were like half joking, but half serious about it. Like how many three and outs the Bucks were going to have. And we initially had it at three and a half. Then we moved it to four and a half. The Bucks had three, three and outs in the first half. And it's just like, you can't have that, especially against a team like the Seahawks. Like even two weeks ago, they played against the Giants and, you know, it was a close game for most of it. The Seahawks didn't like dominate the whole game, but then the Giants fumbled twice. Uh, on uh, special teams plays on pay. punt returns, they and they made them pay, and that's really what it's going to come down to. Whether it's you know allowing the big run against the Ravens, allowing the big play to Cooper Cup, the one little mishap, the Jenga piece coming out and all falling, all right. falling out. Unless the offense picks it up, and I'm not predicting them to pick it up just no. yet. I think after the buys, when you really might see uh, some changes. <laughs> Long lost Glazer here. Uh, <laughs> We should have IK and Kampali as an honorary captain this week. Send him out for the coin toss to get Gino <laughs> rattled. Uh, that was, yeah, for those that don't remember uh, when he was on the Jets. Todd Bowles' first year coaching the Jets. Uh, IK punched Gino Smith, broke his jaw. Ryan Fitzpatrick became the starter, continued the cycle of Ryan Fitzpatrick going from uh, backup to starter, getting a new contract. And then, so the Jets cut him, obviously. And then Rex Ryan was coaching the Bills at the time and signed IK and then made him a team captain for when the Bills played against the Jets in a typical right. Rex Ryan type of move. I was also going to say that the Bucs should have hired Caleb Presley and put him on the sideline against the Rams. I don't know if <laughs> anyone here saw his Sunday conversation with Sean McVay, which was uh, 
which was absolutely hilarious. Um, but anyway, that's <laughs> I kind of <laughs> lost my train of thought when I saw that comment with Long Lost Glazer. Uh, but it was, very, it was very funny. But yeah, the Bucks just they can't let up. They can't keep making the same mistakes. And that's what really frustrated me with the offense in general is that up until the last drive with Brady to Kate Otten, it was the same thing. Three and outs, poor red zone production, can't convert on third and short when they when they run it. The next time they have a third and one or two and it's over midfield, I want to see play action on a third and two. I don't care if they line up with the three tight ends, which they do for whatever reason. Show me something a little bit different, just a little bit different. That's all I ask for. No, I agree. And I think that's what we need to see. We need to see more hurry up. We need to see more play action. We need to see more runs out of a wide, you know, wide set, um, you know, because it, it's the, the offense is so predictable, Matt. Like it's, we're sitting at home. You're obviously diagnosing it with, with Paul or with Josh or Casey. And it's like, you can, I'm sure you, you can tell what's coming up even before it comes up. It's that predictable and they need to shake it up a little bit. And they, they've been doing some different things here and there that have worked. But the problem is Matt is they don't go back to it once it works. Yeah. It seems like they're like, okay, that worked. Well, now let's do something that we've been doing that doesn't work. And it's, it's really frustrating to see, but you know, I, I think like you said, you know, They've been getting turnovers and they've been making teams pay for it. And if you look at this, this team of, of the, um, uh, of the Seahawks, they're are, they're putting up points at a really good clip too. And part of that is getting points off turnovers, you know, 26 points a game. The Bucks can't win this with their output. They've shown the last couple of weeks. They just, there's no way they're going to win this game if they only score 18 points or even 20 points, I don't think. They've got to be able to put points on the board, the defensive, and they have to have extended drives. They can't, as much as fun as it is for a quick drive where you throw a pass and 60 yards down the field, the Bucs can't afford that because other teams have been able to, you know, have these long extended drives that, that wear the defense out. And if that's going to be the case, you know, this defense can get gassed, and they've got the playmakers to take advantage of it, whether it's Kenneth Walker, DK yeah. Metcalf, Noah Fant, Tyler Lockett. The list goes on and on. It's going to take <laughs> – I hate this. It's going to take technique, fundamentals, execution, and four quarters. I feel like I'm a walking football. Like <laughs> – just glossary at this point. And we've seen we've seen thing. the Bucks, we've seen the Bucks defense get tired before. So it's definitely something that uh we have to pay attention to for this game. Uh tonight's Thursday night football game is something that Bucks fans should be paying attention to as well, because it is Falcons against Panthers. Bucks fans should be rooting for the Panthers to beat the Falcons. That would give the, the Bucks the outright lead in the NFC South, uh, pending them winning of course but they at least have the outright lead for uh just a little bit and you know if, if they weren't in the division i could see panthers falcons not being like the most exciting game especially with the panthers tanking unless they play the box add to the excitement though uh to add to it thank you jc to add to it uh you can make some picks on underdog fantasy to really uh bring more excitement into it and underdog fantasy is the easiest way to get some action on the NFL with their pick em game and the rivals game. You just pick an over or under on your favorite or least favorite player stats, and you go in up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. You pick between two and five players to fill out your pick em slip, get every pick right, and take home some cold, hard cash. 
Use the promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, and get your first deposit mat doubled up to $100 by Underdog. Even if you learn from Plant City Math, you know that that's a really <laughs> good deal. So, uh, again, use the promo code Pewter. Get your first deposit doubled up to $100. What do you got for and me tonight, Matt? Yeah, I'm going picks. to make my underdog picks right now. I have two, but I kind of want to do a third. So right now, I have, I'm have i taking the over or higher, uh, 70 and a half rushing and receiving yards for Cordero Patterson. like it. I think he's just, he's been great when he's in there. It's just a matter of being healthy. I'm taking the lower in 172 and a half passing yards for PJ Walker. And I was talking with uh, Kevin O'Donnell of Fox sports. And he was saying that, and I agree with this, that, you know, there is a chance that they bring Baker Mayfield back into the game again. So if mm. Walker struggles early, they take him out. That under is done with. So I'm going to take those two. Oh, AJ Terrell is what makes that a bit of a question mark, because I don't know who they're going to have over there on DJ Moore. But I still like the I, I do like the thought process if they put Baker yeah. Mayfield in there. I want to take one more. I think I'm gonna do Drake London higher than three receptions. That's kind of low. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna do Drake London. You know, some people say he's kind of like Mike Evans. I'm gonna do Drake London. Especially with Cordell Patterson back. Yeah. You know, they might he might get a little bit more uh I don't know, attention less attention right. perhaps, you know. Yeah, I kind of want to do one more. Why not? Let's do one more. Panthers don't really have too much. Deontay Foreman, Chuba Hubbard, DJ Moore. DJ Moore, four and a half. That's, but again, with PJ Walker throwing the ball to him. Yeah. Hmm. How about Eddie Pinheiro over one and a half field goals made? (laughs) I'm going to do that one. I like, yeah, I like getting the kicker involved. All right. That's going to be my picks. How uh, many large? I'm, I'm putting five large on there. Right yeah. Now. Yeah. I'm going to do no insurance. Yeah. I never do the insurance. Um, I'm going to do 10. I'm going to do 10 to win 100. Yeah. Voila. All right. <laughs> Going wild. Well, I won big a couple weeks ago. Nice. You did the same one? Yeah. We got the oh, let's go. Let's go. Let's All right. It. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, we'll make sure we tweet that out as well before the game. Um, Callie Bucks does not like my picks or our <laughs> picks at all whatsoever, but that's okay. Uh, trust in here saying my crazy parlay. Patterson anytime TD. Foreman anytime TD. Patterson over 60 yards. Falcons cover minus two and a half. And under 41 and a half. I was looking at that under um, as well. By the way, everybody, this isn't our last podcast of the week. This is our last podcast of the business week, mm-hmm. as you say. But we also got the Peter Tailgate Show and the Peter Game Day Show coming up this Sunday, which we are very excited for. A little bit of a different setup this week because walk-ons, which we love doing the tailgate show from, uh, it's not going to be open at 7 or 8 o'clock in the morning. So we'll be doing our pregame show live from the comfort of our own homes at 8 o'clock. And then I will be on for the Peter Game Day show with a guest at 9.30. So the Celsius Peter Report tailgate show presented by Walk-Ons and Age Rejuvenation at 8 o'clock. And then uh, the Peter Game Day show presented by Celsius going on at 9.30 for all of our uh, live in-game reactions and analysis 
and things that we've learned about the team during the week, talking to players uh, that we could talk about sharing the game while that goes on. But don't you worry. If you still want to go to walk-ons, they will be open for the game. So you can still head on over there when uh, the game gets going. They'll be open at 9 o'clock, games at 9.30, like we talk about. Absolutely love walk-ons. I go all the time. More to the one in Midtown. It's a little bit closer to where I am. Definitely go on Tuesdays um, because they have happy hour deals all day long, which is fantastic. A lot of different Cajun food. Their wings are awesome. They got the 22-ounce beers, so you can you can get that. Good spot to go tonight if you want to watch that Thursday night football game. So a lot of great stuff to get into. Uh, JC, Perfect before we sign Perfect. off, just uh, any yes. any last thoughts about this game? Uh, for You don't have to give a prediction because we'll have the Peter predictions right. tomorrow that you can see on PeterReport.com. Uh, any any last uh, comments? I just think that if the Bucks are going to win this game, they really have to they really have to be sharp. Um, yeah. This is not a, a a game that I thought that the Bucks would have a shot at losing to begin the season, but I also didn't think they're going to lose the Steelers or the Panthers either. So um, right. I think you know playing clean, mistake free football is going to be the going to it's either going to make or break this team. I hate to say it. I feel like they're due for a turnover. If that does happen, how do they overcome it? They're due to make a turnover. They got to yeah, capitalize it. on it with the offense. Um, so it's really going to just come down to just playing smart football. And I, I, I think they turned that win kind of turned this team around a little bit. I do want to just mention to Wayne Hackinson right here. who's saying, how about putting Zion McComb at punt returner, kick returner? Jalen Darden's been doing great. I, he has guys, been doing I well. I've seesawed with him. I was on the I was on the bandwagon, then I was great. off for a little bit, but he's been doing well. And Greg Allman pointed yeah. out that like he's averaging better return stats than when Jaden Mickens was the returner. Right. A lot of people, including some of us at Pewter Report, have called for Jaden Mickens to come back to this team. But yeah, <laughs> Darden did a great job last week. There's there's no other way to um to really uh, there's no other way to really oh. say it. Darden well, was really, really good. Know? Yeah, he's, he's, he's been fine. His. So we'll see how he does, uh, you know, internationally. Again, yep. the game is in Germany. And by the way, one last thing before we get out of here. We have a bonus episode of the Pure Report podcast coming out tomorrow exclusively on our YouTube channel. Again, that's Pewter Report TV. Make sure you subscribe. It's Paul Atwal, one of our contributors at PewterReport.com, resident genius. That's what yes. I like to call him. Oh, um, he's on with Griffin. I, his last name is escaping me at the moment, but his Twitter handle is at C Mike spin move. He has a Seattle overload podcast. And these are Paul's words. They went on for an hour and a half. This was pre-recorded. So we won't be able to get to, uh, any comments or anything like that, but this was pre-recorded. They went for an hour and a half. And as Paul said, they nerded out over, um, different setups, game plans, uh, looks on offense and defense for the Bucks and the Seahawks. So if you want a full deep dive into the schematics and all of that, it's Paul and Griffin again at C Mike spin move of the Seattle overload uh, podcast. That'll be on our YouTube channel tomorrow, a bonus episode. Uh, so make sure you check it out. going to be a lot of fun. Paul is amazing at all this stuff. He's a genius when it comes to schematics and, <laughs> yeah, Paul, he could be an offensive coordinator in this All league. For OC, man. Him and he Josh would, Capo could really come up with some some. They great, would turn this team uh, around real quick. <laughs> they would, absolutely. I would totally sign off um, I, or co-sign for that one. So check that out tomorrow. 
Check out the uh, Pewter Tailgate Show and the Game Day Show on Sunday. An early game because the Bucks are in Germany. We'll see if they can win two in a row. But uh, that'll do it for now. For J.C. Allen, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching. And we will see you this weekend on Sunday for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out. Auf Wiedersehen. Out. Auf Wiedersehen.